Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. I was talking to a guy yesterday at VR Fest, and he has a VR arcade, and what he's been doing, though, in part of it, I know all you guys are chatting about filling your dead times and filling your off-peak hours, and I'll create some content around this, and we'll bring some more people who are actually <laughs> doing this real-time and help you kind of figure this out in upcoming webinars, and remind me to talk about fire training. I'm going to use this opportunity just to do a quick, while everybody's paying attention, you should come to this if you're interested. This is Amusement Expo. It's the end of March. We're doing a full day of VR Summit. And people there are experts in parties, corporate events, driving, yeah. you know, off-peak awareness, yeah. doing training, education that events. That's the key. It's the thing that everybody wants to know. And so that's going to be a big that's focus the of the Amusement Expo this year. That's the key. Oh, um, I was going to say VR World, just on that point. Yeah. VR World, which just has this amazing corporate business. They have like eight people working on that. Yeah, you know, so this one is one location. This is not like something an operator can do in their spare time. If you don't have a full time B two B salesperson at your VR arcade, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, like that's a starting that. point. I agree. Full time, give them a leverage plan, put them on a small base, give them a big commission, yep. fill your dark time, and then give you your corporate business people or your B two B people bounce back to bring their families back and their kids because they will. Bill Tustin, yep. you know, he does these events at at CenterTech, and you should know him in Philadelphia because he does a lot of STEM education stuff into the school districts and he gives bounce backs and he sees all of those kids come back with their parents, all of them. Well, I mean, it's certainly one of the best and cheapest strategies for LBVR marketing is bringing the VR to the people. Yes. So, you know, you got to get out of your location because people don't know what you're selling. Yeah. And so how do you get them in the door? You go to them and you demo it. And this is where things like Vive Focus are really going to help because Go is kind of a Because it's a pain pain in the ass to set up a whole live setup. And especially, and and Oculus Go isn't good enough. Like, it's just not good enough. And so I I actually think it's terrible. I I I didn't review it because I hated it. And I don't write yeah. negative reviews. Yeah, okay. uh, I don't get paid. That's one of the differences enough. between Charlie and I. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I don't get. I mean, you know, my business really is helping people. Yeah, and, and so is mine. And, I think. And I so I, I mean, I criticize critical. people like magically, but I try and do it in a way that's not aggressive. It's got to be constructive, right? Yeah. Well, well, you have to frame it in the right way. Like, I really like you, and I yeah. like your product, and I yeah. think it can be better. Yeah, and then you make them open to your ideas. Yeah. and the other thing is, of course, people feel like they can confide in me. If I start writing negative stories, then, then I'm going to lose that. I totally agree with that. And so, you know, you leave that to TechCrunch. Yeah. I mean, they pay their writers, not great, but they pay them a living wage, yeah. which I do not get from Forbes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so and their editors say, you know, go take this guy down. Yeah. You know, and they're looking for news. They're looking for scoops. Yeah. I don't do scoops. People say to me, oh, I'll give you an exclusive. It's like, I'm not interested in exclusive. I'm interested in the truth. Yeah. I'm interested in access. You know, I'm a writer. I'm not a journalist, right? That's why I say I'm a columnist. I'm not a journalist. There are qualities of journalism in being a columnist. I think there have to be. But you're really not operating from a standpoint of being a critic. Yep. You know, you have to be an evangelist more than a critic. Yeah. And so um, I want to go back to this guy. So this guy's running a VR arcade in Bakersfield, California, and he's working with the local fire department to create training for fire captains to come in and in VR, and he's bringing the setup to them, Yeah. right? And so there's all of these opportunities, but you do, you got to get out of your location. And so close your place during those off-peak times and go to where the people are so that they'll come to you when they're available. 
The problem with the off-peak times is there's no way to market to them because yep. people just aren't available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be free. They're just not available. Yeah. So just to recap, magically, HoloLens, interim devices, VR is going to be, AR is going to be everywhere. In yeah. essence, you're just yeah. going to see it as a quality. I think that's a major takeaway. Do you have any other points you want to make? That are no, this, I want, want to get to questions? some questions. Yeah, I want to go back and yeah, let's solve and, some real world problems. Yeah, here. and I think they started coming in. What kind of investment range required for VR arcade, a classy one? A classy um, one? Well, that's yeah, that's a that's, build out question. Yeah. I and mean, that's a real that's estate a question. question. Yeah. He's right. saying 5,000 square feet. You know, my guess is 5,000 square feet. Yeah. Where the hell are you? Yeah. That's a, that's like, pretty crazy. Well, that's crazy you, ambitious. You think it's big? 5,000 square feet? It's way too big. Interesting. So my theory and what I'm starting to see happen is a lot of people built these single unit attractions, like yeah. the Void, like Zero Latency, like Dreamscape, et cetera. The business models aren't working. Like, I don't know. Well, they never have. have. I mean, you could have told I, them that before they built it. And the so, truth is they need to be part of a destination. And so what you're seeing now is smart operators with more capital are building bigger places with multiple attractions. Correct. And I think in 5,000 square feet, you're actually on the small size of that. Yes, correct. You could correct. do a zero latency. Right. I mean, here, um, here are the obvious winners are going to be people like Dave and Busters yep. and Rec Room in Canada, which made a huge, huge deal, Cineplex Odeon did. Yep. With, they, VR with VR studios, yep. Which, by the way, they are one of the smartest people in the Cineplex. Kevin, no, Kevin Vitale ah, okay. of VR Studios is a very, very, very good yeah, executive. Yeah, yeah. I don't they need think help they're, with their marketing. They need help with Sorry, their yeah. marketing, but they also have more business than they handle. Yeah, so, yeah. so that obviously makes people reluctant to spend money on marketing because they're just going to market and turn business away. Yeah. But VR studios generally only in destinations, right? They're no freestanding. You know, VR studios, locations that you could do. You have to go to like a Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. So they are not in the real estate game and it has hugely advantaged them against their competitors. Now, Dreamscape, in fairness, Dreamscape has no interest in operating. They're operating Century City because all the other locations are going to be franchised. So they have to have the expertise in operating to support them. Yeah. Their first big franchise order is AMC Theaters. Yep. But again, I don't think Dreamscape is going to work just plunk down. In a movie in a mall, theater or, in a, or in a mall, yeah. no matter how good it is. I think what could work for them is, first of all, take out all of those freaking screens. Because movie theaters have lost their... Yeah, they're, um, they're over-screened. They know that. Though. Yeah. So they need to rip out half of their giant things so that they can have one or two movies at a time. Yeah. The attraction needs to be these kinds of experiential entertainments. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, I would fill the place with arcade machines. I would have a bar. I would have a sports bar. But they're doing that. Like, you're yeah. seeing movie right. theaters well, well, become that's what, that's, family entertainment. Right. And but I don't think but you automatically become one because yeah. you have a VR arcade. No, no, no. Or, movie theaters have had arcades for decades. Or ten, Yeah, and they're, and by the way, those are on terminal decline and yeah. have been for a long time, right? And so, because people don't hang out. With yeah, and there's no dwell time left. And especially with reserved seating now, you don't have to get there an hour in advance. Right. You just show up and you sit down and you're done. And so that's removed all the dwell time opportunities. Yeah. So now theaters have to become destination. They have to become multi-attraction. Yes. Family entertainment centers, it's going to take them some time. Yeah. But they've got the space, as you right. said. Right? right, and they also understand local marketing. Really well. Yeah. And they have massive loyalty programs. Right. They understand their operators. They have operator headsets. Yeah. And by the way, when people talk to me about pricing, I always say, well, do they discount at the movie theaters? You know, at least our theaters, you know, you get like senior discounts. Yeah. Or military discounts. Weekends are a little bit more than weekdays. Right. right? So you go on a weekday matinee. Which that's is always so, been a thing. So, right? you know, people are always asking about pricing. Yeah. I'm like, look Day at parts. the movie theaters. Day parts. Yeah. Look at the movie theaters and they don't discount. Yeah. And they don't discount because a movie isn't doing that well. Yeah. Because discounting doesn't work. And especially if you're going to discount during your peak times, you're fucked. 
So question here about, and this is a, it was a Magic Leap HoloLens AR. Um, there's a, a, a product called, from, uh, called Hado, which is like a, a really bad smartphone AR device on your face with an iPad touching your arm and you shoot fireballs. It's basically Dragon Ball Z. There's another company in oh, Toronto. The one in Toronto. It's much better, I yes. think. I know those guys, I like that. Steve, it's Steve Shu. <laughs> he's an individual yeah. operator who used to do moon bounces. Yeah, and he's, yeah. So he's, he's well an positioned. He's an operator. He's well positioned to do this business. Yeah. But what it is that's nice about it is you can stake out a parking lot and turn it into a free yeah. roam VR location. Yeah, yeah. And he's looking to sell that. I think he's going to try to sell that into entertainment centers. And, and I do think that there's some things about that kind of AR competitive esports yeah. game. But I think the nice that, thing that that about it also is you put it outside. Yeah. People can see it. Yeah. You know, you're not using up square footage inside of the facility necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's something to yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. I think he's struggling because, again, he's selling something that nobody knows what it is. Yeah. So. And that's where the marketing and positioning comes in. And so thank you for that. I am going to do a shameless plug for a workshop I have coming up, which is if you're building a, a product and you're looking to sell it into the amusement industry, I've got a 10-week online workshop with a one-day full-day event in Vegas the day before Amusement Expo. It's limited to five companies. And you can bring three to five people per company. And then at the end, there's going to be a pitch fest. And I'm going to bring all the distributors that I know in. And you're going to pitch to the distributors with your well-positioned fucking product so they know what they're getting. And it's a really smart. good value. Smart. And so check that out if you're interested. Drop me an email, vrbob at bobcooney.com. I'll give you more information on that. And so, yeah, I think the AR stuff, I'm going to go, let's see. Is there any company that's making educating VR mobile through schools? Check out. Google. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff on Google. What are the top ones that you know of? What is the name? I mean, I, I don't spend much time in the education space. I think but- there's a really simple one, like pit tilt brush. Like art programs in schools are being decimated. The teachers have to spend all their own money on supplies. Bring freaking tilt brush into the school on idea. Oculus yeah. Go and let kids play with it, and they'll love it. A guy named Steve Grubbs, you can grab him on my Facebook mentoring group, and Bill Tustin are the two guys I know. Steve Grubbs has a great frog dissection app. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because fraud dissection is disgusting and it's expensive and people are complaining about it. So they have a, a really good. Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of anatomy apps. I mean, you could have a virtual cadaver in seventh grade science class. Yep. Yeah. Like, so there's a bunch of stuff happening there. If you join my mentoring group, which you can get them to from my website, bobcooney.com, it's free. It's on Facebook. There's a lot of real innovators on there and we have these discussions. And I think there's a convergence of education and entertainment. Edutainment is yeah. Ed, ed, I mean, VR education arcade. is going to be very important yep, for yep, VR. It's yep. not happening. Education is a little bit like medicine. Yeah, it's a huge, huge business, but yep. there are tremendous barriers. Yes, institutional barriers. And this is going to take time to overcome. And this is the thing that Bill Tustin, the reason I keep bringing him up, has figured out. He's figured out how to build a curriculum, how to sell it to the principal, how to sell it to the school district. Yep. Like he's figured that shit out. So talk yep. to him. Um, there's a question here about is how zero latency is doing in Mexico. So. I can't disclose any numbers. I can tell you the problem with Mexico is purchasing power parity. Right. You know, a first run movie is a few dollars right. in Mexico City. Right. And now they did just open a second zero latency. So it's a good sign when somebody buys one, they buy another one. Yeah. My understanding is they had some budget to burn at the end of the year. And they're a really progressive operator and they're doing hundreds of millions a year in revenue. And they don't have to make money on everything they do. There's strategic brand right. issues right. for some mm-hmm. of the stuff these bigger companies are doing in yep. VR. They can experiment. They can drop a half a million bucks, and it right. does, it's it's discretionary money for them. So don't read too much in when you see big companies 
doing some of these high-end VR experiences and say, oh, it must be making money because I've talked to all the zero latency operators and all the void operators, and they all say the same thing, which is it's kind of hit or miss, and no one's figured it out yet on the standalone thing. But they believe enough in the future that where they're still doing it and they're building more, even though they're not necessarily getting their money back in the timeline that they wanted to. So if you've got money to burn, it's a good place to be. But if like if the investment is going to change your life if you lose it, we should talk and you should be really careful. Think of the company anti-latency and their free roam products. So look, on the tracking systems, can we spend a couple of minutes? And I know you got to go a couple of minutes on tracking systems. So inside out tracking is coming. Like tracking systems in general with inside out. What's going to happen there? Like these big optical tracking. Well, I mean, what it's going to mean is that free roam VR gets a lot cheaper. Yes. Right? Because yep. you no longer have OptiTrack. You don't yep. even need the Vive Pro yep. light stands. Yep. So everything is going to become wireless and free roaming. Yes, I agree with that. And right now, you can do a four-player free roam package for less than hundred grand, really easily yeah. in 100 square meters, 1,000 square feet with Lighthouse yeah. 2.0. There's a lot of good indie developers that have a lot of good content kind of on a mission to try to figure out how to turn that into an ecosystem that can Mm -hmm. scale. And I'll be working on that in Q1. And Juan had a question here. What would you focus on serving existing FECs or starting your own VR destination? I know more destination is more risky, but what do you think? So look, well, first of all, to to build a destination is mad expensive. Yeah. So if you can raise millions of dollars, yes, a destination is a better idea than a standalone storefront. But if you're trying to start a business for less than $100,000... Well, you can't build a destination location for hundred grand in this market and survive. Like I said, you need to build a destination, you You need millions. You need a million. You need seven figures. I would agree with that. Or at least, like, if you want to do something small, half a million, maybe you could figure something out, but... You got to be really smart and you got to save some of that money to hire the right people. Like there's a lot of things there. Right. The but, bigger you get, the more infrastructure you need. Yep, absolutely. Right. So instead of having one marketing person, now you need a team. Yeah. And I think that if you have a product idea that's different or it's unique, then building something you can sell to FECs. Look, the FEC market is thriving. It's growing like crazy. They spend billions of dollars a year on new attractions. I do this event called F2 FEC, which is a networking event in February or March, which brings 100 or so operators together. And every year they do a poll, an anonymous poll. Every year, just the people in that room spend over a billion dollars on new attractions every single year. And so it's a market, but it's hard to crack as a new company. You've got to figure out your positioning. You've got to figure out your distribution. That's why that workshop exists. Thanks, Juan, for a really great segue. Any last thoughts? So, well, I think LBE is is thriving right now. It's very hot. I think it continues to be a very risky difficult business because of real estate. Yep. But I do think that there is a path. Yeah. And certainly it's great for the industry. The more people see VR, the more they times they put on a headset, the more likely they are to drink the Kool-Aid, so yeah. to speak. So, yeah. you know, I'm very excited about LBE right now, but I do think that there are a lot of challenges and it's not for everybody. And one of those challenges is raising money. I talked to Tipitat yeah. last night from VR Fund and I yeah. asked him about, you know, and he just shook his head. He's like, can't raise money. He's like, the only way you're going to raise money in LBVR is strategic investment from the people who are ultimately going to profit from it, which are landlords. real estate companies, landlords, amusement operators, FEC companies. So, so if you're looking to raise money for an LBVR product right now, you got to tough. So you got to go friends and family, you know, and you got to be really smart. And Or you have to be two-bit circus 
where you know there are a lot of celebrities involved. Dude, that took them years. Like, like yeah. it was so, six years ago that Brent did his right, Kickstarter, right, exactly. right? Where he started and raised a hundred grand to pre-sell tickets to something. Like it took them six years to get that location. Well, that was their STEM carnival. That yeah, they STEM did, carnival. Yeah, that they did in San Francisco and one in LA, and, yeah. and it was successful. So yeah. they're like, well, let's open a place. Yep, yep. And yeah, it took but it five took years it. from let's open a place to open to, a place. to open it. Yeah. So the larger it is, the longer it's going to take. Yep. And, and the more capital. You and have. it took them a lot of money. They did several rounds. They got big institutional money. They raised, you know. Now they're, they're, they're going to open. Figures. They're going to open six more. Yep. They say next year, yep. but again, it's going to take them three years. And they still got to get the first one right. The first one, the product mix right is under attraction. There's not enough to do. And so, and, yeah, but again, like great what, corporate business. Great corporate business. They hired the former CEO of Great Wolf Lodge, who knows a little bit about operations. You know, they do education programs. <laughs> they have summer steam camp. They've got all of these revenue streams that are bringing people in and off in off peak. That's the key to operating a, a successful. Yeah, because you don't have enough throughput to make it up on the weekends the way a movie theater. Can. When I talk to the guys at main event, forty percent of their business is group sales and party. Forty yeah. percent. I think that's the minimum you have to have to yep. sustain the business. Yeah. So, so if you take one takeaway from this, if you're in the operations business, hire a dedicated salesperson for B two B. That's like if you just do one thing tomorrow, yeah. draft that wreck and get it up on yeah. fucking on the internet. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Dude, I fucking love you. So much fun to hang out. Ah, I love this, this guy. guy. Follow him on Forbes. <laughs> follow him on Twitter. He's on Twitter all the time. He's very active. I'm not a Twitter guy. And tune in tomorrow if you're interested in high throughput. The holiday guys are really interesting. It's an open platform for content. Also it's very really, inexpensive. It's relatively inexpensive. It can do 20 people at a time, which is great for parties yeah. um, and corporate events. And we're going to talk about tech. We're going to get deep into the tech and the tracking systems because that's changing this year. Like everything is going to change in um, free roam VR this year. Yeah. So hopefully I'll see you guys tomorrow. And um, thanks for being here. Have a great day, you guys. Bye-bye. That's the end of this interview. We hope you really enjoyed it. There's plenty more resources on Bob's website, which is www.bobcooney.com, or you can find us on all the usual podcast places. We look forward to seeing you again.